Welcome to Tell Me Your Story. This is the Mayhem to Miracles edition as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true on uh, this program that uh, comes your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., 9 a.m. on Wednesday. Special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Today's guest is another one of the 30 contributors to Mayhem to Miracles, published by Sacred Stories Publishing. Uh, SacredStoriesPublishing.com is the website you want to go to to find out more about the book and purchase it through Amazon as well. It's uh, on the uh, on those uh, uh, that site and many others, I'm sure, uh, but you can certainly go there. And we will be giving you our guest's website as well as we begin talking with our special guest uh, for today who has written a story that has been added to uh, the compendium as I like to call it. I like that word compendium of uh, stories in Mayhem to Miracles, which is book three of a series starting with Chaos to Clarity, going from there to Crappy to Happy, and then Mayhem to Miracles. When Spirit Calls is the title of her story. Judy Lemon, thank you so much for joining us here on Tell Me Your Story. Thank you, Richard. It's lovely to be here. You know, I uh, I have been looking forward to all of our guests here on uh, this uh, version or edition, if you will, of Tell Me Your Story, talking about uh, their stories. And uh, uh, I, I sometimes in a pre-interview, I will ask this question, which I'm going to ask of you in the context of the interview. And that is uh, beyond this story that you have contributed to this particular work uh, and possibly the other two uh, earlier editions. What kind of work, if you will, in light of the, 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 the knowledge that you have of sacred stories and the types of authors that they have, what kind of work is it that you do in terms of changing and transforming your life and helping to transform the lives of others? Um, I have two hats, but I combine them. Uh, I'm a longtime shamanic practitioner. And I'm also a certified trauma therapist. And I'm, I have been working for several years to combine techniques from the two to what I call trauma-informed shamanism. Trauma-informed shamanism. That's, that's different. Yes. Yes. How is that different from <laughs> regular shamanism? <laughs> Well, I have been finding as I, I started out over 20 years ago working with shamanism and, uh, you know, I've run the gamut of things, uh, you know, energy healing, soul retrievals, plant medicines. And one of the things that comes up quite a lot when somebody comes for uh, shamanic healing is they may have some unresolved trauma. Uh, they may have some kind of sensation in their body that hasn't been able to be explained by medical procedures or examinations. So some years ago, Spirit brought me into the Brazilian jungle and by a very strange intervention introduced me to Dr. Peter Levine's work, uh, Somatic Experiencing. And um, when I looked at that, I got the message, you must learn this and bring this into your work. So oftentimes, you know, rather than just doing a straight shamanic healing session, whatever that might be, or a straight somatic experiencing session, these sessions are completely channeled by what I call my amazing spirit crew. So somebody may come in and we'll start working with the trauma 
releasing techniques, but then we might intervene and do some kind of shamanic work and it can go back and forth. It's a whole treatment rather than just one path. Hmm. I have always been intrigued by shamanism, not knowing a huge amount, have had guests on who have also been shamans. How long have you been, do we refer to it as a practicing shaman? Um, I am inducted into the lineage of Rio Napo in Peru through my first teacher. And in the area of the Amazon, we don't use the word shaman. That particular word comes from the Tunguska region of Sam Siberia, and it's it's become a bit overused. Um, I could I prefer the term Chakahuarmi, which is Quechua for bridge woman. I act as a bridge between the different dimensions, between the physical and the different spirit realms. Hmm. And you've been doing this for how long? Ooh, over twenty years. Wow. So you actually do travel down to South America, down to Brazil or whatever other countries uh, to uh, what? Um, continue your learning, your education, if you will, uh, your practice. Yes. Um, the path of the vegetalista, which is a more specific term for people who work with plants, and I don't necessarily mean solely hallucinogenic plants, mm -hmm. um, requires an apprenticeship of about four to five years. And during that time, a lot of it, in addition to working with healing techniques, recognizing good and bad energy and dealing with that, a lot of it is working on ourselves. Um, because when you're working with somebody in energetic realms, you don't want to be spewing any of your stuff, you know, and we all have stuff. Everybody has something that they're working on, whether they know it or not. So if you come to me for a healing and I haven't really looked in my own mirror to work on my shadow side, there's a good idea that I may spew a lot of that onto you, mm. which really doesn't help the healing process. So our, we do what we call um, dietas, which basically is a very severe near starvation state where we have to isolate ourselves in uh, like jungle huts or even like a platform. I've been spent a couple months on a platform overlooking a river. Um, and basically uh, you can't use uh, commercial hygienic products. So you get a little bit smelly, which is all right. The idea is that you become one with nature and then you uh, bring in spirit guides who become your helpers. They take pity on your suffering and they come in and ally themselves with you. Hmm. So you've led me into uh, one of the subjects that I absolutely love talking about. Uh, and I'll have you expound on this as a shaman that nature is our greatest teacher absolutely in my view of the world i see how everything is connected you know in biblical terms when you would hear christ say all men are brothers i see that and it doesn't just stop at 
we as human beings, uh, obviously the animals, uh, what we might, you know, the trees, the plants, the rocks, uh, you know, maybe many Native Americans might refer to them as the standing people, the stone people, uh, you know, whether you want to call them people or not. But you can actually, if you can suspend your disbelief at how ridiculous it may sound, you can talk to any of the spirits of nature. One of the things that we're taught, like when we're first starting out, is get a rock, go for a walk and get a fist sized rock, something that attracts your attention. Mm-hmm. And have a question, uh, something that may have a simple answer. And you put this rock in your hand and you ask it your question. And then you need to be quiet so that you can hear the answer. Lots of times when you're getting messages from spirit beings, they're very subtle. Um, you know, it's not necessarily as loud and clear as like the way we're speaking. I find uh, if I would speak to a rock or a tree, they, sp- they speak to me in a more archaic language. So I know it's not just me making it up. Um, but it, yeah, it's very comforting. Um, we had, can do things like tree speaking. Many times when people have problems and there's no one to talk to, you can go talk to a tree or you can dig a hole in the ground and speak to Mother Earth. And in that way, we learn from Mother Nature, Madre Naturaleza. I find it interesting, too, the, the, the perspectives that folks take when it comes to uh, the Earth and, shall we say, playing you know, with the Earth, uh, especially as a kid. I mean, I grew up uh, where my brother and I, even my sisters sometimes, would come out into the yard, our neighbors. We'd be digging in the dirt. We would build forts with a bunch of uh, spare wood that my dad would bring home from pallets that he had at the place he worked. Um, we played in the bushes and the shrubs. We'd climb the trees. Um, we'd fall out of the tree sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but it was, and, and then there were those nights, like here in the fall, as we're conversing, we would run around the neighborhood and there was still very little concrete, very little asphalt. And we were running up and down the yards where there were no fences. Uh, that's one of the things I remember most about growing up in the neighborhood I did. There were so few fences and we would play kickball. Uh, we were lucky we had uh, T-sections at both ends of our street. So if a car was coming, you saw it coming. Okay, everybody out of the street, here comes a car. And you had plenty of time because they couldn't come around that corner very fast as hard as some of them tried <laughs> but um you know i i've i love uh, for example even to this day i'm 61 now i i wish that in spite of how much i love our conversation and doing these interviews that i was up on the hill with my axe chopping wood preparing for winter and the and the fires that we are going to have to just take more take the edge off than actually heat the house you know mm-hmm. Because uh, we love the cool weather. I mean, I was born and raised in Phoenix, of all places. Wow. You know, and you talk about hot. You know, yes. it's hotter and hotter every year. And I'm glad I'm living here in Santa Barbara. Um, I love doing that stuff. I love being outside. Yeah. 
I, I I hear you. You know, we're roughly around the same age, and I have the same happy childhood memories of. I mean, we just lived outside, and we didn't have to worry about it. Um, you know, I think my parents, or particularly my mom, like go outside and play. Once you do your homework, make sure you come in at dinner time, and then once dinner time was over, it's like make sure you come back in when the street lights are over. We, you know, we didn't have to worry about any of the creeps that a lot of parents seem to have to worry about now. We didn't have internet, we didn't have cell phones, but we had our imagination. And when I was growing up, the original Batman was on TV. Oh my God, did I love Batman. So that's what we did. I was Batman and my sister was Robin and my grandmother made us the costumes. Like we had the capes and all the insignia and all all the neighborhood kids were the crooks. And like you were saying, like we were up the trees, we were climbing up fences, you know, and we had the greatest adventures. It's probably what led me into doing what I do now. It's like all those imaginary worlds and being outside, chopping wood, having a fire, just, yeah, more contact with yeah. Mother Nature. We would camp out in our parents' backyard to my mother's consternation because we were always using the Indian blankets as the oh. t- <laughs> not, not, you know, not good. But yeah. she she put up with it, and uh, I I am grateful for that. I mean, we just we just had such a blast. And my my father, of course, got a little annoyed with us climbing the trees because he grew them there because he wanted them to shade the house and to look beautiful. And sometimes we'd climb them and break a limb here or there or what have you. Um, but no, it, it, it was it was a great, in my opinion, it was a great childhood uh, that we had. We're talking with Judy Lemon. We're talking about uh, her contributions to Mayhem to Miracles, published by Sacred Stories Publishing. And that's sacredstoriespublishing.com. And we hope that you'll go to their website. What is your website, Judy, so people can go uh, and find out more about what you do? Because I, I certainly will, because I like the work that you're doing, especially um, when we would put this in the category of almost alternative lifestyle being a shaman my website is just judylemon.com just j-u-d-y-l-a-m-o-n.com go there folks we will be linked to your website too by the way in addition to sacred stories publishing when we when we have these uh, interviews available for the listeners and the viewers because this program is of course on youtube as well as podcasts on soundcloud itunes TuneIn radio spotify stitcher player fm blueberry and many other locations too numerous to mention and we're talking about tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host of uh, tell me your story and uh, we hope that you will uh, check out uh, the works of Mayhem to Miracles, published by Sacred Stories Publishing. Judy Lemon is my guest. JudyLemon.com is the website. I hope you'll go there and check out her work and the things that she is sharing with uh, all of us. Um, What made you decide to become a shaman? I didn't. Um, It found me. (laughs) Yeah. um, Sometimes it's said that people come into the world seeing it in a different way. And I think that's probably what happened with me. Um, I remember as a very young child looking outside the window at night to see the fairies on the lawn. Um, And as I got older, I just realized 
there was more to the world than what I was led to believe. You know, I grew up in a very, very normal uh, middle-class Catholic household. My parents were World War II vets. And to them, their world was what they could see and experience just with their five physical senses. But as I got older and more curious, I started realizing there was there was more there there was more so um i was living in london for quite a long time when i was trying to be a rock star and as that was sort of coming to an end um i was walking through covent garden with a friend of mine and there was this poster introduction to shamanism in a camp in north wales and i looked at that and i said i have to go to that what's a shaman I didn't even know. I had no idea what it was. But in that camp, I saw more of the other sides of the of seeing. You know, we were working on these things called trance postures, and I shapeshifted into a bear. You know, no substances, just rattling in these particular postures. And I was so amazed looking down at my hands and seeing these black claws. And I was like, Oh yeah, I like this stuff. Give me more. Mm. You also have uh, your own book, which I am very intrigued by, uh, because um, the connection that you and I have in this regard is that I was actually given one of these as a birthday present by my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and the book is entitled Machete Woman, the book. Uh, how did you come to garner that title? Because that's what I am. Um, because I've spent so much time living in the jungle, you have two pieces of equipment that are absolutely essential. One of them is you got to have a pair of rubber boots, knee-high rubber boots. The other one is a machete. Oftentimes, when you're walking through the jungle, it's not a clear path. You need to have your trusty machete to clear the path. You know, or if we're um, harvesting plants to make medicine, you need a good cutting device. Uh, other times, you may need it to ward off poisonous snakes. You know, I've had to do that at times too. So it's just an all-around useful thing. And I found I quite enjoyed whacking things with machete. Like as I worked on my stuff, I would get really frustrated. You know, my ego was having a field day. So I would go find an old piece of wood and I'd get my machete out and ah, ah, ah. You know, you may find the same as like in chopping wood. There's that very satisfying motion that you make and you get this physical release through your body. Wow. Well, I tell you what, um, I want you on my side while you're holding that machete, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not intended as a weapon. No. Uh, it's intended, obviously, to clear as you're working through the, the thick, the thick jungles. Uh, and um, I haven't had as much use for mine. I haven't really, you know, secured a, 
a, a good use for it, considering that I'm living, yes, in a rural area of Santa Barbara, uh, but it's it ain't, it's not jungle. <laughs> you know, it's not like I have to whack through through uh, thickets and so forth. Uh, very fascinating stuff. And of course, uh, this book, uh, the uh, the Machete Woman, uh, the book is available at your website, JudyLemon.com, and uh, also the podcasts of this program can be found on RichardDugan.com, the homepage, as well as other outlets. So I hope that you will pick up a copy of her book, as well as a copy of Mayhem to Miracles, which is also what we're featuring on this program, this particular interview. And there she is. If you are watching the YouTube video, you see the book that Judy is holding. And we hope that you'll get a copy of it through Sacred Stories Publishing. I'm Richard Dugan, your host for Tell Me Your Story, and I'm so glad that you folks have joined us on the program today. Uh, Also a reminder uh, that we encourage you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, where you uh, can go spend some time with you. That's right, go within and listen to that still small voice, as well as just be calm, or maybe even better yet, just be just be and enjoy that time by yourself and as one of my guests has already stated you you start it with a minute start with 60 seconds set an alarm on your on your phone with that you have with you all the time that i would love to throw into the oceans but uh i'm not going to pollute the oceans with my electronics um just 60 seconds and then if you can ramp it up to maybe a minute and a half and then two and then three and four and whatever it whatever you can do just to recenter i know that after my little incident the other day um i i had to do that i had to take time to process and and relax and realize that okay uh i learned from that okay and thank god no one was seriously injured uh in the incident um myself nor the person that i yes i did i hit someone in a crosswalk with my truck i didn't see them but they're okay they got up and they walked away they didn't want to go to the hospital and so thank god that it was a it was a uh, i don't know if i should say non-injury and maybe there were some injuries maybe it'll show up later who knows but needless to say we we must continue to move forward and forge ahead i take responsibility uh, that machine was under my control folks so when you're driving and you know you hit something or someone you were driving you're responsible and that's about that's kind of the way it is with our lives isn't it judy especially when it comes to your story your story is rather intriguing because it ties into this whole aspect of listening to that still small voice we could call it spirit we could call it our higher self our divine self uh talk to us about your story when spirit calls it is about acknowledging that small voice that speaks to us and it doesn't really matter if you want to call him a spirit guide an angel uh divine presence you know it it only matters that you hear it and it's possible for everyone but with mine um ever since i was a young child all i really wanted to be was a famous rock star um i started playing guitar at age seven started taking voice lessons uh, as a teenager uh was in local bands here in southern california had some songs on the radio but what i really wanted was to go to england because i was always just enamored with all the british bands so in the early 80s i packed up and moved to london 
and got married um, and had a good life. I had a very good life, um, had my own recording studio, but it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing with my life. Um, the man the, in the story, you know, I talk about the person who's now my ex-husband, which is long ago. Um, you know, we came, uh, basically, we just came to the end of our road together. Um, you know, it, in the book, I talk a bit about how I discovered his affair. I had to do some absolutely brilliant detective work, if I do say so myself. Not that you ever really want to have to deal with that kind of a thing, but basically, I had learned to meditate about six years before all of that. And as I started to hear the voice of my higher self, I got very interested in like ceremonial magic, energetic kind of work. And I think my my ex-husband just maybe thought that was kind of weird. I don't know. You know, his family, I don't think they grew up with any kind of religion. So as I got more and more into the magical realms, he started finding a lot more of his spirit in a bottle. And, you know, we just kind of went like this. And spirit was telling me, this isn't for you anymore. But, you know, you want to cling on. I had a, like, a nice place in the West End. I loved London. I loved being in Europe. But basically, spirit had to pull the rug out from underneath me to get me to come back to Southern California to heal and to get me into the, the path that I'm doing now. You know, for some reason, I, I, I didn't have the support there. You know, he wouldn't have wanted his wife to go live in the jungle for months, living with a bunch of other men, learning all these different techniques. So basically, you know, I think spirit was knocking more subtly and I didn't hear it. And then they said, all right, here we go. Wham, pulls the rug out. And it is very traumatizing, you know. A lot of the clients that I see, even though they may not have gone through exactly what I've gone through, at times we've all fallen into a pit, you know, a, a disease, somebody dies, or your own catastrophe. And when you're down there, you think, gosh, I'm so alone. Like, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? But now, like, all these years later, I can look back and see, I see exactly why it happened. It was like the great divine set up all these things as a domino. It's painful to go through, but when you look in hindsight and see where you came from and why all of this happened, now I just say, thanks guys. I listen to my still small voice and I call my still small voice my friend. Yes. For years. And it's one of those things where um, it took a while to trust. Yes. Uh, I had an experience, and maybe you've had one too, where you're getting the prompting, as I was, and I've shared this story more times than most people would care to hear on this program. I was bicycling. That's what I did. I couldn't uh, drive at the time. I was bicycling to work one day out in Phoenix, and it was out in the, uh, the rural area, uh, farm area, where the farm fields were one square mile blocks. So I'm getting up to an intersection, and the prompting says, hang a right here. 
and then go up and then make a left and then make another left at the next intersection and then make your right and continue on to work. And I'm going, but that takes me three miles out of my way. Why would I do that? And I went a half a mile past that intersection and the prompting got stronger and stronger and st I couldn't shake it. So I turned around and I went back to that intersection. Of course, in this case, now it's a left turn. Then I made the other two lefts and then the right turn back onto the same street I was already on, but a mile down the road and continued to work. I have no clue as to why, other than the only conclusion I was able to come to was, though my still small voice was basically testing me saying, do you really trust me? Are you really gonna follow the promptings that I give you? I'm not gonna put you in harm's way. Never. I would never do that to you. Uh, but I will challenge you. And this was a test of sorts. You ever had that happen? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I th everybody has the ability to hear the voice, the inner teacher, whatever you want to say. And oftentimes what they do is they will give us these tests or these smaller messages to see if we're listening. Uh, here's an example, like from my experience, in one of my teacher's camps, he's built a lagoon and he rescues tortoises and turtles from the market so that they don't get sold for food. So you see him riding his motorcycle up the hill with a great big turtle and he releases them into the lagoon. So in my endless days working on my stuff, well, oftentimes I'm going to go down to the lagoon and you know sit with the turtles. So one day I'm lagoon has a path that runs around it and I'm on the right side watching all the turtles very clearly in my mind all of a sudden I saw this turtle very large upside down on his back with his legs in the air and I'm looking around going what is this none of these turtles is upside down and you kind of have a tendency to dismiss it like oh I must be making this up I must be imagining it but no this is one of those tests. So I just went, okay, whatever. And I kept walking around the corner of the lagoon, get to the other side. Guess what there was on the middle of the path? A great big tortoise upside down with his little legs in the air, exactly like I saw in my mind. Oh. You know, and there, life is full of things like this. In the big picture, is that important? You know, I would have come across him anyway. But the thing is, you're not going to get the big pictures and big premonitions that you often want. Or, you know, a lot of the healers that I train, they're like, oh, I want to be psychic. I want to see the spirits. I want to do this. But you have to be listening. And if you don't listen and acknowledge, turn right, turn left, follow my instructions, they're not going to give you those big things. So you listen and like when i get something like that in even if it's something insignificant i'll say i hear you i acknowledge that and then when it inevitably plays out i also acknowledge it yes this is what you showed me i see it and that tells them yeah she's listening give her some more yeah and that's how you develop or at least that's how i developed my i don't know second sight you know it's just a sight that's always there yeah. I have to wonder where my uh, intuition was the other day. Uh, it's like, why did you not tell me not to turn? 
<laughs> or something. But but again, I go back to that aspect of it'll never put you in harm's way. Now, um, granted, it is sort of kind of the, the, the gentleman that I inadvertently hit with the vehicle. I wasn't maybe doing more a, mi a couple of miles an hour because I was making the turn. He walked away not wanting to go to the hospital. Apparently he's OK. Uh, and so whatever lessons he's he's got to learn, those are his. Um, I don't know. And, and I, I'm, I'm not recalling that I missed something in, in terms of I, I'm not recalling missing the promptings or missing the message or missing stop, stop, stop or something like that, you know. Um, maybe this was one of those lessons that I maybe I brought on myself because it's one of it has had been up to that point probably the biggest fear I had in driving was hitting another human being with this machine. Yeah. It, it might also have been that the lesson wasn't for you. It may have been for him. You know, you don't know about his history. Right. You don't know what lessons he had to learn. Maybe he has a substance problem. Maybe he's not paying attention in his life. How is it that he wasn't paying attention to the truck in the left turn lane? So, this may have been the universe may have put you in his path to teach him a lesson you know and obviously for you to be ultra vigilant oh here comes this person on the crosswalk hmm does he see me oh we better wait a minute yeah perhaps for him he needs to wake up and that was his wake up moment yeah and I, of course, had the sun in my eyes as I'm turning. I mean, the way the sun yeah. was at 4.45 in the afternoon, and even one of the witnesses said that. They said, well, you know, that turn is difficult right this time of the year because, yeah, uh, you know. But the thing that really got me was I kept hearing, oh, Richard, calm down. It's all right. This happens a lot more than you think. And I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> People are getting hit all over the place. Yeah. Uh, gosh, and I, I know that's probably true, but it doesn't you know it doesn't make it any easier you no. know it's it's one of those things we're talking with judy lemon and we're talking about listening to our inner voice or the or spirit when spirit calls is the title of her story in mayhem to miracles one of 30 authors who have contributed to book three if you will of uh, the uh, uh series uh first was chaos to clarity we did 12 interviews back in 28 and 2018 for the january 2019 tell me your story month the entire month was may was uh, chaos to clarity and the entire month of november of 2021 is mayhem to miracles published by sacred stories publishing i'm richard dugan and this is tell me your story new paradigms for a new world we're here with judy lemon judylemon.com is the website i love the book uh, that you have uh, that you've written about uh, the machete woman I, I i'm just like okay well arnold uh, Schwarzenegger nor Sylvester Stallone neither of them could play the role of the machete woman as portrayed in the book uh, you know in the movie now the movie the machete woman uh, watch yourself especially if you're a plant <laughs> not so much a person but a plant who yes. is the gentleman in the picture standing next to you in the on, on your website uh, where it, it your, your book is uh, is uh, uh, spoken uh, about and promoted that's one of my teachers, Don Luis Panduro. Now, is he uh, indigenous to the area and where you are? Is this Brazil? Where, what part of it's, the It's Peru. Peru. Yeah. And he lives in the jungle? Yes. 
and yet he has now did he did he move there from civilization as it were oh no no he grew up around the area and what brought him to shamanism is he had an accident i think when he was playing what what we call soccer here, but other where around the world is known as football. Ball. <laughs> and I think he, if I remember correctly, he broke his nose. And then I think he started to get some kind of a cancer from it. So he went to go see one of the indigenous healers. And there again, they don't use the term shaman. It's like curandero. And this person saw that he could be an apprentice. So as he was healing, these methods kind of called to him, and that's how he became a healer. And, you know, and his story, I, this, the indigenous people's stories are so rich. There's so many wonderful myths and legends and magical beings down there. Um, and I know you were asking about Lucho, but like uh, when I did my first apprenticeship with uh, my teacher, Javier, that involved going way way into a remote village up on rio napo and one night i was sitting around with some fishermen and we were passing this bottle of aguardiente around with this achuti penis in it uh which is you know they have a lot of aphrodisiacs down there and i thought oh these guys are fishermen i wonder if they've ever seen a mermaid sirena so i took the opportunity to interview them every one of them have seen mermaids oh and they all had these fabulous tales of like these enchantresses and they were dead serious too you know they can be kind of scary beings like the, the lorelei or the the sirens luring the men onto their doom ah yes mm-hmm. and, you know the jungle is such a a magical place you have people who believe in all of these beings like the chuyachaki and the lamparillas and they see those they they exist and they become part of our training because we we call them in as our teachers Hmm. all of this is just so very interesting you also have uh, some other you have workshops you've got trauma therapy shamanic services that we can talk about personal um intensives as well as uh, counseling i've been through a few personal intensives myself not uh, quite like what you uh, you put on back in the early 80s i went through a program called life spring uh, which was an outgrowth of est uh, it wasn't est it was a little different so you know that lasted as long as it was supposed to enjoyed it had i learned a lot from it um it seems to me though that the whole goal of all of these different modalities whether it goes back to the 80s or the present day and the work that you do is to help people to transform their lives whether it's through their healing of the traumas or physical mental or other emotional issues uh, or getting in touch with their shadow side and and acknowledging yeah I, I that's mine I own that okay and and it's okay and it's it's okay it's mine you know and it makes me who I am today that kind of stuff the yeah. transformation is what is the is the really the most important aspect of it it is you know oftentimes uh, you know I I tend to be I, I tend to attract people who have some kind of spiritual interest like 
I'm listed on the traumahealing.org website, which is a somatic experiencing website. And I probably one of the few, if any, shamanic practitioners on there. You know, many of the people are uh, licensed people like psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers. Um, and they don't deal with the dark spiritual work that I do. So people will look on that and they think, oh, she combines the magical stuff. You know, oh, am I carrying an entity? Is that's what's causing my problem? Um, I want to learn how to develop my site. How can I be a healer? But, oh, I've got to get rid of this trauma first. So, you know, they come in for different reasons. But you're right. It's all about making steps forward, what, however you want to go. If you want to be a healer, what's your next step? If you want to heal your trauma, how do we do that? How do we do that in a way that doesn't re-traumatize you? Well, we're talking about trauma. We're going to continue talking about that because I've got some interesting questions. I hope they're interesting questions to ask you. Uh, Judy Lemon, our guest here on Tell Me Your Story, contributor to Mayhem to Miracles, published by Sacred Stories Publishing. SacredStoriesPublishing.com is the website. We hope that you will go there and check out uh, the book as well as go to JudyLemon.com to uh, see what uh, she is all about, uh, her shamanic practice as well as the work that she does. I know that the, it goes by another name, but since that's what you have on your website, I'm going to use that right now. <laughs> I'll learn the other languages later, but uh, we hope that you will stay with us here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for staying with us here on the program as we continue our conversation with Judy Lemon uh, and uh, talk about being a shaman uh, in reference to trauma. All right. So one of my questions in regards to trauma is, what is trauma? I recently saw a great video with the wonderful Dr. Gabor Mate, and he described trauma uh, as the, you know coming from the Greek word wound. Uh, it's not the the actual event that happened to you. Like for example, so let's say the the gentleman that you uh, made impact with with your truck. Thank you for putting it that way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you made contact with. Yes. Yeah. So when you get hit by a several thousand pound vehicle, that is a traumatic event. Obviously, your system goes into, whoa, what's happening here? You know, could be fight, flight, dissociation. There's various different things that can happen. But then it turns out, oh, he's okay. He had a little scrape on his knee. He gets up. But my question I would be wondering about is, how did he deal with the trauma of being hit? Because trauma is not really the event itself. It's the energetics of that event that remain in the body. So, and they, you know, from my point of view, they, they are in the body, but they also remain outside of space and time, which is where in PTSD, you can get this re-triggering. You know, they could just suddenly appear like, where did this come from? I'd forgotten about this. So you've got these things that can trigger it and cause problems later on in life. 
So, you know, the the guy that walked away, I'm wondering how is he feeling today? How will he feel tomorrow? Yeah. Will he wake up in a month and start having night sweats? Is he going to be able to walk across the street now without being excessively hypervigilant? You know, it would have been nice if he may have gotten medical attention or somebody could have spoken to him because it may be that at that moment he could release the traumatic energy from his body, which may have resulted in shaking or heat or something. And then he won't have to deal with the repercussions of that event ever again. You know, and that is beyond any physical trauma that his body, his physical body may have experienced. Exactly. On an emotional and spiritual level here. Exactly. You know, when I first learned uh, somatic experiencing years ago, even in the beginning level, as I was watching Dr. Levine work, and I thought, what's he seeing? And something inside me said, he's using a second sight. You know, and obviously that was my take on it. But through the years, and once I completed my training, I realized there is a very energetic or you know i will call it a shamanic element to a lot of the trauma uh healing because you have to be an empath or you have to be able to be really hooked into your client you know oftentimes and this is what we talked about in our training we may feel their physical symptoms in our body and this again is why for someone like me i need to know what's my stuff what's your stuff what may be our combined stuff because if i'm suddenly talking to you or we're in a therapy session and all of a sudden my stomach starts shaking like mad like i got butterflies i'm thinking wait is this mine why would this be mine you know and then i might ask you are you feeling anything in your midsection right now and you could be going like oh my gosh yes i'm so nervous so you know that's very empathic you have to learn that awareness so even for you, you know, you were able to drive away, no damage to your truck, you know, no criminal proceedings, like no big consequences. But even like, how do you feel in your body when you think about that? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's what's really interesting is um, I was I, I shed a few tears in that period of time where I was leaning up against a pole bent all the way over, you know, and the police would come over asking me if I was OK. First thing they asked me is if I'd been drinking. Of course, I said, no, not until I get home. <laughs> <laughs> under the circumstances um but i was i was uh, shaken up on that because it was not something i ever wanted to have a, a, that experience i didn't want yeah. uh and i think that's probably what drew it to me because i've i've i didn't want it you know and the universe doesn't care whether it's something you want or don't want you know the experience is what they bring you you know and so there i've had the experience now and yeah okay fine you know a lot of other people that they've had this happen to them whether they were hit by or hit someone uh, god forbid that it was something serious nonetheless but it is interesting from my standpoint it's the second incident not of hitting someone mind you but it's the second incident that i have had in what two uh 2018 
Yeah, 2018, I was involved in a non-injury accident where I was traveling down a side street and a gentleman in his BMW pulled out in front of me from a driveway. So that turns out his fault. Uh, and they said I was going too fast. And the police said it doesn't matter how fast he was going. Plus the fact there's no way you can prove it. But it doesn't matter how. If he could have been doing 120 and you'd still be at fault because you pulled out into oncoming traffic. But at the end of the whole thing, I went up to the gentleman in front of the police officer. I extended my hand and I said, first of all, I am glad that you are, we are both okay. And second of all, go out and make it a better day than this has been. Oh, I love and, that. Uh, I really believed that. So I, I actually went up to the gentleman uh, just the other day when this after this had happened and when everything was settled. And I said, I just want to extend my sincerest apologies, uh, please. I, I, you know, I hope that you're, you're going to be OK. Um, because we live in the same community and there is a connection that we all share. Mm. Um, whether it was the first gentleman or this gentleman just recently, uh, I may come across this person again down the road. And I don't want to have, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have been in the crosswalk and da 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 You know, it's like, all right, seriously? Yeah. You yeah. don't, don't want to generate that kind of stuff. No, no. There's too much of that out there already right now. We yeah. want to counteract that. Exactly, exactly. Judy, um, this, this is, is fascinating, the, the, the work that you do, but also the education that you have, uh, shall we say, accumulated, especially considering the fact that the level of commitment to making these trips. I mean, how many times have you been down uh, to Central South America to, for, for your studies, if you will, for the work that you now take on and help other people to transform their lives? Well, um, in 16 years, I'm into double digits now. You know, normally when I go, I go for about two or three months at a time, you know, because it, when I'm doing my work, you know, you just need time. I, you know, I, I can't just do it in a week. Right. You know, to, to be able to open up the abilities and have a spirit crew to the point where you are effective in your healing you can't do that in a weekend course and get a certificate. It takes years of suffering. You know, it's one thing my, my, my teachers would all say, all of them, yeah. you must suffer, Judita. <laughs> Why? Why do I have to suffer? Because all artists suffer. Yes. <laughs> and, what you, and what you have is just that. It's, a, it's part of the healing arts. Yes. Yeah. And, and also, too, you know, they, we really get pushed, not just to our limits, but beyond our limits, like where we think we can go. And I remember one time when I was in one of my teacher's camps, and I was just really suffering. I was getting so fed up, you know, like, ah, I could just put my pack on and walk out of the camp. This little voice comes in and says, when you get home, get yourself a book on Navy SEALs. And I went, what? You know, I, I greatly admire the Navy SEALs. You know, I, I live close to where they train, you know, and I just very it, it, in awe of what they go through. So I get home and I get a book on Navy SEALs and I start reading it. And I go, ah, no wonder they wanted me to see this. Even though what we do is completely different, it's the mind work. You know, our minds mm. put our, us at so much of our limits. Oh, I can't do that. 
oh, I might be tired. Oh, I might be sick. You know, oh, that's too much for me. And it's just our own limits. Whereas like in the kind of training that I had to do, you have to break those walls down. You know, and I had that once in a medicine ceremony in my teacher's camp where the plant spirit says, let me show you what you're doing. And she put me in this box. You have your limits and you want everything to be recognizable. And, I'm, and I felt like, okay, guilty as charged. She goes, let me show you what it feels like to be your teacher. And she took away the walls. And it's hard to describe that. It's like what we call being in the void. And she says, this is where you must learn to operate from. This is where the healing comes from. And I just went, oh. So I found reading about like how the Navy SEALs pass through a lot of there because they go through some really amazing physical challenges. Yeah. How do they get through that? You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's the mind. And of course, not everybody makes it through the, the training as a Navy SEAL, you know, and no. they can try as hard as they want. But if they don't have that mental toughness, as it were, or yeah. discipline, maybe is a better word, mental discipline. I mean, I was even thinking about that, thinking I've heard some of the stories of some of the things that they do, especially out in the water. Yeah. And, and they're out there all day. And yeah. I'm thinking, OK, so if you could program yourself to get in the zone okay to get in the zone like they do in sports or sometimes like what happens with these programs where really it's an hour and a half already wow we i can't believe it and it hasn't been it's only been, it hasn't even been an hour yet <laughs> <laughs> i know it seems <laughs> i know it seems longer but no no uh, but but getting into that zone yeah. that that pre if, if you're in the present moment yes that makes all the difference in the world yes and funny when you say that too because in one of my earlier trainings when i was having trouble with that my mind was wandering here and there they said go get the power of now you know i had never bought that book by eckhart tolle and i'm like really you want me to get this like new age kind of a book like the power of now like but I'm, and I'm training to be like this jungle curandera, but I listen to that. So I come home and I buy the power of now and then I start laughing. I go like, oh, of course, this makes complete sense. You know, it's constantly here now, here now. Don't worry about what happened there. Don't worry, like, is there a big anaconda out in the woods, like ready to come, like fall on me off of a tree? You know, if you're present right now and you're very aware, you're going to know that things up there. It's like, oh, maybe I won't go down that path or machetes at the ready. Wow. It is uh, uh, what we talk about on this program quite often. And that has to do with being in the now moment, you know, being present. Uh, it's very difficult to. Well, you can't listen to the still small voice if you're not in the present moment, because that's when the still small voice is talking. Yeah. And uh, so so it's really important to learn how to do that. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily advocate any physical harm to self like, OK, I'm going to pinch myself. So I'll stay in the present moment. No, no. There are better ways. Yeah. Yourself in the present moment just by staying focused. And, and I even started thinking about that um, in regards to the incidents, thinking, 
where was I just before I made the turn, you know, and, and, and so forth. Was I really focused on what I was supposed to be doing, and that's operating the machine. Now, first of all, I can honestly say, A, I wasn't eating or drinking. B, I wasn't even looking at or thinking about my phone or anything that would be coming across it. Um, but C, it may have been that I was just in awe of how beautiful things were. It was a nice, cool breeze blowing, blue skies. I mean, Santa Barbara, come in, you know. And I became distracted by my environment uh, that's the only thing i can think of where i wasn't 100 percent present i mean i knew yeah. i was driving the truck i knew i was making a left turn and i knew that the light was green you know yeah uh, you know uh, lots of things to take a look at and i think that uh, we in, would like people encourage people to to uh, to do that to learn how to stay in the present moment what what suggestions, simple suggestions might you have to assist those listening in staying present, staying in the now? I always say that awareness is everything and it's something that has to be trained. You know, like learning how to meditate, like if when I learned to meditate many years ago, I was given a mantra and they acknowledge your mind is going to start wandering to what am I going to have for lunch later? Oh, I'm kind of bored. You know, oh, is that somebody at the door? Then you come back to the mantra, you know, and it's this is it's like training a spiritual muscle. You know, the many weeks and years that I've spent in my teacher's camp, a lot of what I had to do was to be aware of what was going through my mind at any given moment. Mm. And, you know, I even got it to a point where I would start naming the parts. This one's the narrator. This one's the storyteller. This one's the one who's being interviewed. You know, this one is this. So then what would happen is something would come in to be like that could take me down the rabbit hole. And I'd go, oh, you're the trickster. You're the bullshitter. Uh -uh, we're not going there. <laughs> so it's it's all about like. You have to keep coming back. It's it's very difficult to remain in that state of ultra awareness 24-7. Like we as human beings, at least unless you're uber enlightened, which there are very few people in the world who are, yeah. you're not going to be in that state the whole time. But through time and listening and, and feeling, a lot of it's feeling in your body too, you start getting this 360 degree thing that helps you kind of tap in what's happening in front of me, you know, and sometimes it's just being making the effort. Am yeah. I paying attention? Yeah. What am I doing? You know, like, oh, I'm washing this dish, but I'm thinking about Star Trek. Okay, wait, oh, the dish broke. Damn. <laughs> 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 and I'll tell you, um, with that dish breaking, uh, I used to get, oh, God, you know, yeah. and then in the last few months, and maybe it's because of a program I went through uh, during these last three months uh, of the uh, of the third quarter of this year, that I now chuckle. It's like maybe there's this instantaneous little flash of, uh, yeah, then I look. 
you know, yeah. laugh at it. Yeah. And it's a genuine chuckle of, oh, that was humorous. That was interesting. Uh, that was kind of funny, silly, strange, but, you know, whatever. But I, I, I'm not going, you know, and raising my blood pressure, which I, which is rather interesting to talk about too, because, because um, I was diagnosed some years ago after I moved to Santa Barbara with high blood pressure. Mother says, "Oh, Richard, don't worry, it's hereditary. You know, it's in the family." I'm going, but I don't want it. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't want it. Um, but I, I, uh, they took all the tests. They, they pulled all the fluids out that they needed to test, and they couldn't find a physical or physiological cause. And I said, because it's up here, it's up. <laughs> and of course, the first problem was I was having problems dealing with uh, the and again, the judgment on my part, the stupid drivers here in California. And um, uh, and then someone shared with me something that was real impactful. I said, you do realize, Richard, that these people do not get up in the morning and say, let's get Richard. Now, when they said that, and then they added this, which was a double-edged sword, they said, it's not personal. No. And I thought, oh, thank God it's not personal. And what do you mean it's not personal? They don't care enough about me to make it personal? You know? <laughs> it's like, really? Get a grip, boy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's one of the things that's kind of helped me in realizing that, look, just like you, everybody else is trying to get from point A to point B in one piece. And some of them did literally just crawl out of bed. So they aren't even fully awake and aware of what they're doing. So you, Richard, you need to be 100% aware of your environment and your surroundings and what's going on around you and be tapped into. I mean, I don't care if it's two copper wires or a cable tapped into that still small voice that's going to warn you, hey, uh, I think this car in front of you is going to do something really strange. And that, so you might want to back off. And they do. I back off and they do it. I've I've done what I've not, I've needed to do to be uh, the the uh, defensive driver, not trusting anybody, including yeah. my beloved mother to do the right thing. It's not her responsibility to look out for me. It's mine. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Um, it, very interesting stuff. Judy Lemon is my guest. We're talking about a lot of different things here and uh, the work that she does as a, uh, in the English translation, shaman. Also, the contribution she has made to Mayhem to Miracles, the book that contains 30 stories in there, of which hers is one. And uh, her story is uh, When Spirit Calls. And it's always calling, folks. All you have to do is listen and uh, listen to Tell Me Your Story. We're bringing new paradigms for a new world here on the program, and we're talking with Judy Lemon. Judy, I uh, want to thank you for giving us so much time here on the program. This has been a real treat, a real joy, especially in the context of this special edition uh, with Mayhem to Miracles through Sacred Stories Publishing. Uh, they are at sacredstoriespublishing.com, as well as your website, judylemon.com, which we will be linked to as well. <clears throat> and... Um, I thank you so much. I also have three final questions that I'd like to ask you. Uh, but again, a uh, great appreciation for the work that you do for others, with others, to help others to transform their lives. And I will bet you that uh, when you tap into that energy that you use in your work, uh, that it doesn't just transform their lives, it transforms yours as well. It does. Um... While we don't go into this looking for something, I think the greatest joy that I have is when I see 
somebody coming back to life. Mm. You know, for example, I, I, I would say probably a good 90% of the work I do is with sexually abused women, you know, incest, domestic violence, and all sorts of stuff. And some of them may come in and they look kind of gray and drawn, mm. you know, and I think like, oh boy, their, you know, their spirit energy is very low, their life energy, their chi, you know, and then after a session, or even sometimes during the session, I start seeing the color come back in their face. And you start seeing like the sparkle come back in their eyes. And they sit up and I'll, I, I always ask my clients at the end, what do you notice that's different from when you came in? And some of them are just speechless. And I'm thinking, it's not me that does it. I'm only a conduit. You know, all these miracles are possible because I'm working with this divine energy. But I just got an email today from the partner of one of my abused clients. And he said, I just want you to know how your work has affected her. She comes home so lively and so changed and the changes are permanent. You know, you're bringing her back to life. And, you know, he kept speaking like that. And I was just looking at it and it just, I just got tears in my eyes because I thought, I'm just doing what I love to do so much. Mm. And yet, you know, to get that feedback that somebody is really, really benefiting, that's my greatest joy. Mm. Well, I can uh, I can concur with the work that I do is my greatest joy. I uh, love doing this, love talking with you and other folks who are doing the work and helping others uh, who want to do the work to transform their lives. And in turn, it's going to transform <clears throat> our society and our civilization. Uh, and uh, I'm not even going to go down the road. I know it's going to take time. You know, it could take years. So what? You know, what else do we have but time, you know? Yeah. And and at the same time, while we're doing the work, we can still enjoy the life that we, we have here. So yeah. uh, I appreciate uh, uh, your uh, enlightening us in that regard as well. Um, let me just say to our listeners and viewers, thank you so much for watching and listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We hope that you'll join us uh, on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for that special edition as well as the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, iHeart, uh, Amazon Music and the like. We also hope that you will go to YouTube and watch these videos as well. Subscribe to the podcasts and videocasts if you'd like. We'd really appreciate that. I mean, being over 50,000 listens in less than four years, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but hey, I'm happy with that wonderful number. Uh, and uh, we also hope that you can support us financially. Any amount is greatly appreciated and Thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have supported us financially and those who will support us financially. It all goes towards the work that we're doing here uh, on Tell Me Your Story to, to keep helping you uh, and me to transform our lives together and change the world uh, for the better for all. And all is spelled with all caps, okay? I will yell it all, all, all okay? <laughs> and then also participate in the Decade of Perfect Visions. 
spend that time listening to that still small voice that we have been talking about throughout this entire program. Uh, again, it'll never put you in harm's way. We'll challenge you, but it will never put you in harm's way. And it's there to help you and guide you and encourage you and inspire you. So please take the time to do that. And with that, my first of three questions is, who is Judy Lemon? Oh, boy. You know, she's a being that's had a very magical life. Um, and she enjoys the simple things. You know, like we were talking earlier about things like chopping wood. Um, one of the times I was speaking to my now deceased father, and I asked him if he had advice for me. And he said, you're going to be back here in the spirit world sooner than you would ever imagine. And they lived into their 90s. He goes, take the time to enjoy the physical world while you have it now. He goes, I don't have any hands. And my dad was an electrician and a carpenter and a plumber, and he had a workshop out in the garage. And he goes, you know what? Enjoy that bottle of wine. Enjoy that piece of chocolate cake. Enjoy chopping wood or the smell of a wood fire or, you know, visiting with your friends, you know, living in the moment because you may not wake up tomorrow, you know, and then when you get back to the spirit world and the great creator says, did you enjoy your life? What did you learn? Did you have fun? You want to be able to go, gee, that was great. You know, I want to go back and do it again. <laughs> what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I would like to do more collaboration with others. Um, I've been honing my own gifts for many years. And I find that when I do things with others, like, you know, maybe like another kind of a practitioner or uh, I do have friends who are licensed mental health uh, providers, and I really enjoy doing things with them. So I'm probably going to be writing more. Um, I've, I'll have another Sacred Stories uh, thing coming out in January in their Animals Anthology, and then I've just contributed a story to Shamanism, which will come out later next year. Um, probably doing things on a greater level you know maybe i i don't really do things like youtube videos or facebook live and stuff like that right now there's only so much one can do in a day and you know like we were talking like these electronic devices i i want to live the real world i don't want to spend my day in front of a computer screen so probably just expanding my work so that it reaches a greater level however will happen i don't know i don't know where that's going yet but i'm on the road and finally what is your life's purpose i would say that my life's purpose is to help up, uplift others I spent a good lot of the early part of my life in deep depressions and feeling that I was kind of worthless, not good for anything, nobody wanted me around. And through, through shamanic healing with other practitioners and all the work I've done, 
that's been completely transformed. So I realized if I can have my life changed, so can others. And I want to be the vehicle for that. Mm. Well, Judy, I thank you so much uh, for uh, sharing yourself and your story and the work that you do with us here on the program. And we look forward to having you back again to continue this conversation. You, you, you've got a lot going on, and we would like to let others know about it. And, of course, we will be linked to your website, judylemon.com, as well. Thank you very much, Richard. It's been, it's been a lot of fun speaking to you. Judy Lemon has been my guest. She's a contributor to Mayhem to Miracles, published by Sacred Stories Publishing. SacredStoriesPublishing.com is the website. We hope that you'll go there, pick up a copy through Amazon as well. And uh, also go to Judy Lemon's website. JudyLemon.com will be linked to her website so that you can find out more about the work that she's doing and maybe pick up a copy of that, uh, that uh, one uh, book that uh, she has written called The uh, Machete, uh, Machete Woman. It's the book. Uh, who knows? Maybe there will be. Maybe there will be a movie. My my life story, Judy, will be a film strip. Okay, uh, it'll be on microfish. Uh, that's, uh, that's that's where mine's going. And uh, we thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, video cast, love to love.